news on media. This is Coming Out Stories. It's a podcast about one of the most important conversations of your life. I'm Emma Goswell. You're going to hear from Phil now. He grew up in South Africa, where he knew from a very early age that he was gay, and he got bullied for it from the age of eight. I think I always knew from a young age, but for me, it was different levels of awareness. Mm -hmm. So when I was really young, I found myself getting those butterflies and that shy feeling by looking at older guys. So you know when you see little schoolgirls and they get all shy when they see their friends, older brothers or, yeah. or things like that. That's how I felt. And it felt different to looking at my other male straight friends who would get the same feeling for girls. So I had the awareness that there was a difference there. I was getting that feeling by looking at guys, but they were getting that feeling looking at girls. And was there a sense, even in your young mind, that, that there was anything wrong with that? Or did you just sort of acknowledge it and, and run with it? I think that as I got older, mm. it changed the way I, I thought because the majority of the people I was hanging around with were attracted to the opposite sex. So I then thought, okay, there must be something wrong with me because I didn't know anybody else who was in the same situation as me. Okay, and let's put this in a setting then. How okay. old were you and where were you growing up? I think the awareness really started when I was four, five, and I grew up in South Africa. Wow, that's so, quite young, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the thing is... I, that's why I say I had those different levels of awareness as about myself mm. as I was growing mm. up. So, I mean, yes, I had like kiss catch with girls, but then I also had the feeling of, oh, I want to play kiss catch with boys. You know, <laughs> um, I think that would be a little bit more exciting. <laughs> and then I got a little bit older and um, it was, oh, should I be having these feelings? And I think you are actually the first person on the podcast from South Africa. Yeah. So I don't really have much of a sense of what it's like growing up being gay or part of the LGBT yeah. community in South Africa. What, what was it like? South Africa, I find, is a little bit more conservative than here in the UK. And at that time, it was quite homophobic, very traditional. Men do this, women do this. That really affected me and I found it quite difficult. There were slurs thrown about about being gay. I can remember being a kid and for those of the listeners who, who have some uh, experience in South Africa, the word was moffy, which was fag, basically. And, and moffy? Moffy, yeah. yeah. So I was called that a lot. I didn't even know what it meant. My mom tells me about the story uh, when I was younger. I must have been eight or nine and, and I would go to my mom and I would say, mom, how do gay guys walk? And uh, she said to me, I don't know, Philip, how do gay guys walk? And I said, I don't know, but the people at school are, are teasing me because they say that I'm gay because I walk in a certain way. And I didn't even have a label for it, but it was really, really hard. Even for my mom and dad, they never really had any experience in LGBTQ stuff and they've learned a lot through me yeah it's a similar story with a lot of people I talk to actually yeah. it's kind of like a lot of parents learn as they go on which is why sometimes mm. their first reaction isn't always the best one because yeah. they literally don't know what to say they have got no reference point they haven't met any other LGBT people until their child comes out 
Well, th this is what it was like with my mom mm. and dad because they grew up in Rhodesia and Zimbabwe. Mm. And again, it was a lot more conservative than over in the UK. So they didn't have a reference. They didn't have any friends, any relatives that were comfortable in coming out and, and saying who they really were. And did you have any other LGBT people that you knew of in your school or even in South African culture at all? Not while I was growing up. Mm. Not while I was growing up. When I was probably, I would say, around 10 or 11, the first person that uh, I knew was gay was a friend of my nana's. And uh, she would come down and visit us from Zimbabwe every Christmas. So summertime in South Africa, she would come down and we met him in a town. And the first person that I met was him and he was HIV positive. So in my small little mind mm. at that age, I was thinking, if I'm gay, I'm going to get HIV, I'm going to get AIDS and I'm going to die. And that was the first reference that I had, which scared me completely. And at that stage, I was coming to realize that I was different to other boys. And was it something that you wanted to reject? Or was it something that you couldn't cope with? Yeah, 100%. I mean, at that age, again, I started having other little experiences with boys and uh, looking at boys differently in the changing rooms after... PT sessions, you mm. know, and really feeling uncomfortable um, having that because I was bullied as a kid for being a Morphe or being gay. Mm. And it was always the name calling, was it? Did it never get any worse? When I got into high school, it got worse. I went to an all boys high school and again, it was very traditional. There got physical. At that stage, I was in complete denial. I didn't I didn't want to be gay. South African culture is traditionally also quite religious as well. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I would read the Bible and read up about things and how I should not be like that and what's going to happen to me. And You must have been scared. I, I was scared. Yeah. I was scared. And along with it, my dad was homophobic as well, you know, and, and there was a, a fear of rejection, a fear of abandonment. And... My family are so important to me now and they were important to me then. And I was so scared of losing them. What broke the silence and what made you think, do you know what, actually, I've got to confront this? Was it a case of confronting it to yourself first? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And, and I went through different realizations. So I realized that I was different initially and then I realized what it actually was that made me different and that was my attraction to the same sex. Mm. So I then admitted it to myself, which was really, really hard. And then I was really lucky when I, I was about 18 years old, I made my first gay male friend and he's about um, seven, eight years older than me. Mm. And uh, he took me to a gay club but at that stage I didn't want to fully admit that I was gay so I I said I was bisexual which for me was kind of a transition into admitting to myself that I was gay mm. uh, or that I am gay so then we went to the gay club and I got a little bit more comfortable with the whole notion of it and then I started 
telling my close friends. Was the gay club in South Africa? Then? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah the okay. gay club was in South Africa, uh, in Cape Town. Good club? It was, yes. <laughs> it was a great club in my little twink days, I suppose. <laughs> but oh, So then I admitted that to myself at the age of 18 and started admitting it to some of my very close friends. Then a year later, I left South Africa. But how did your friends take it then? They were okay. I mean, I admitted it to girlfriends. Uh, okay. I admitted it to girlfriends. So, and only only two of them in our core little group knew mm. that I was bisexual. Eventually to them before I left, I said, yeah, I am gay. And I left South Africa. So we, it, it, I never really got the experience of being with my close friends and being completely out Okay, but they took it all right initially then, didn't yeah, they? Did, yeah. yeah, they did, yeah. It, it was like I told them that my eyes were blue, <laughs> you know, so it, it didn't really, it didn't phase them at all. Right, and then where did you move to? I moved to Abu Dhabi. Yeah, okay, another interesting place to be gay, I'm guessing. Yeah, very, very much so. So, you know, it's in the Middle East. Very, very strict laws. Very, very strict laws, very conservative, and it, it's illegal. So that, again, was hard for me to try and find my feet in who I really was. It, it basically forced me back into the closet. Well, there aren't gay clubs to go to, are there, in there Dubai? There aren't. No, no, not in Abu Dhabi or, or Abu Dhabi. Dubai. No. Yeah, no, there's no gay clubs there. There are um, clubs that you know of that you could go to, but um, you had to be very careful. You couldn't really get close to anyone or do anything were you able to explore your sexuality at all then because you just come out to your friends this was a pivotal time in your development right yeah so uh while i was actually working there i taught kids with special needs i actually met my first boyfriend because he was a teacher's assistant there so uh we started noticing each other and little eye glances as we went into our respective classrooms and uh eyed each other out and then we started hanging out a little bit and everything like that and then that turned into something but for him because he comes from a more conservative religious background he wasn't even at the stage of coming out himself Mm. but you had a boyfriend then I've had several boyfriends there so in the Middle East in the Middle East so uh yeah so with him he was actually moving abroad he was my first love. And when he left, my heart was broken. And I always said to myself, if I got to a stage where I felt really, really dark in terms of headspace, I would need to come out to someone. Mm. And I made a really close friend there. And I'll forever be thankful for her. Because I find that when you start coming out, you kind of do your your friends first and then for me it went to my family last because mm. I suppose I was so scared of getting rejected and abandoned by them. So I got to the stage where I felt like, oh, you know, I'm not I'm really not in a good headspace mm. and I f- feel really, really alone. And I put myself in a taxi, went over to her place and I came out to her and she just embraced me. She just embraced me and and uh made me feel so comfortable and then that built up my confidence to start coming out to my family so I then came out to my sister I mean but even that even though you you kind of knew that um she'd probably be okay with it must have been quite difficult coming out 
in those circumstances. It's, I mean, it's a bit like coming out in the UK in the 1950s or early 60s because mm. you know that it's you're doing something that is technically criminal. Yeah, absolutely. In, in that country. Absolutely. Yeah. Fortunately, she is from the UK and we had a really strong bond. So I've, I felt comfortable enough to talk to her about it. But there is still that fear of rejection. But then after that, you started coming out to family. Yeah, I did. After then, I started coming out to my family. So I started, I came out to my sister first. Then I came out to my younger brother. And the reason why I didn't want to come out to my younger brother earlier than that was because he was actually in school and I didn't want the other kids to bully him or be unkind to him because of me. But when I came out, when I came out to him, he said, Philip, I've known since you were about 15, 16. And I said, how did you know? He said, I found porn on the computer. <laughs> so he did know. He knew. And I said, well, why didn't you tell me? It would have, you know, I would have had a little buddy that I could confide in, you know. Um, but I guess you were the big brother. He was I waiting was the for big you brother. to say he, it. He was. He was waiting for me. And do you know what? He's become one of one of my champions. You know, he, oh. oh, we tease each other all the time. He is so funny. He is so funny. How brilliant. But what about your sister then? Because she was the first, really, in your family. How did that go? A again, that went really well. I couldn't have asked for a better reaction. So very supportive. Oh, yeah. very, very supportive. Very supportive. So I guess once you've done that, did they say, look, you're going to have to tell mum and dad? Or did they go, we'll keep this secret for as long yeah. as you want? Yeah. I never got any pressure from my family to tell mum and dad. Mm. Uh, and uh, then I met my my first long-term boyfriend. We were together for six years. And in the, in the beginning part of the relationship, it was fine. It was never an issue that um, I wasn't out. He actually is also South African but from a more conservative and traditional family. So he wasn't out either to his family. And was this in Abu Dhabi still? This was still in Abu yeah, Dhabi, okay. yeah. yeah. Initially, it wasn't an issue that I wasn't out to my family, but the closer that we got and the more of an important figure in my life that uh, he became, the more I actually felt the urge to share with my mom and dad. And um, the one time... I was in South Af in one part of South Africa visiting my friends and family, and he was in another part of South Africa visiting his friends and family, and it was our anniversary. So I was lying in bed, and I wanted to send him a text message mm -hmm. uh, to say happy anniversary, and I was thinking of my mom as well because I wanted to write goodnight to my mom. And instead of sending the happy anniversary message to my boyfriend at the time i sent it to my mom philip this <laughs> is outstanding as stories go i mean you're laughing now but how did you feel the moment you press send and realized you'd sent it to your own mother uh oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit <laughs> and then uh wanted to reach inside my phone and and pull that message back but you know it was one of those old nokia phones and you just look and see that big tick saying message delivered. Philip, well, did it really just say happy anniversary or was there any sexy talk in there? Fortunately, no sexy talk. <laughs> no sexy talk. No sexy talk. No. Thank God. And there was no gender attached. There was nothing attached to it that could have indicated that I was writing oh. to someone of the same sex. Okay, so you could have totally lied your way out of it. But I how did have. how did this story progress? Well... I cannot 
lie to save my life and I cannot cover up a lie. So I knew that if I tried to cover it up, I would have been found out. Mm. So I managed to fall asleep somehow. Don't know how. I fell asleep. Uh, and then the next morning I found a message on my phone from my mom saying, hi, I didn't know that you were in a relationship. You know, you must tell me all about it. So I wrote to my mom and said, I will. I'm not ready right now. But when it gets to the time that I can speak to you about it, I will. So I'm probably going to backtrack a little bit here. But when okay. I was younger, uh, I would probably say about 15, 16, my dad would drive me to and from gymnastics. And he actually asked me if I was gay and I was not ready to admit it. So I just brushed it aside and quickly moved on to another conversation. And when I was a little bit older than that, when I met my first gay friend, my mom also asked me because she had never had any experience. She started seeing me hanging around with an older gay guy. And she actually asked me in tears if I was gay. And that reaction, seeing my mom like that also made me go, I can't, I can't speak about it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not just. To so you didn't say down. no, you just went, I can't talk about this. Yeah. yeah. And I, well, I did say I'm not, I'm not mom, just oh. to pacify her, you know, to make her feel comfortable. So I knew I wasn't ready to come out. And then looking forward to how I reacted when my mom got that message, I just said, I'll tell you when I'm comfortable. So I can see that there was some kind of development. And then probably a few months after that, I was cabin crew. So I operated a flight to Munich with a group of my friends and my ex. And when we landed in Munich, something inside me just clicked. And I wrote my mom a message saying, mom and dad, there's something that I need to tell you. But if I don't send you this message now, I'm going to chicken out. So I'm fine. I'm okay. I love you. There's nothing wrong. But there is something that we need to discuss when I when I get home sent the message and then my mom called me and I was just like no I'm not gonna answer that phone call quite a heady message to receive though isn't yeah it, I guess, it is as a parent. Yeah. yeah I'm sure they were worried but then when I got home it was all set up for me to have a chat what I didn't know was uh, and my younger brother's never going to forgive me for this uh, because he was going to be leaving uh, the UAE to go and study and I'd sent that message when they were sitting down to have you know a meal to say goodbye to him and so my mom and dad received this message they started panicking and they were like oh is Philip okay you know what's going on and uh, my brother and sister were sitting there and they started asking them questions so my mom and dad started asking my brother and sister you know do you think it's this? You know, do you think it's that? You know, do you think it's that? And then my mom asked my brother and sister, has Philip made a girl pregnant? <laughs> Always the parental worry, yep. isn't it? Yeah. And um, my brother and sister burst into fits of laughter. And I think then it twigged to my mom and dad. And my mom and dad then asked, is Philip gay? That's when my brother and sister said, I think you should speak to Philip. They're as rubbish liar as you are as well then, presumably. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you did um you waited till you got back or you did speak I on did. the phone so yeah. no i waited until i got back because i wanted to speak to them face to face i can see exactly in my mind where we were sitting in the living room and we just had an open discussion about it you know you have those moments in your life that mm. will always be significant and you'll always remember them 
And I'm so fortunate that that was one of those moments and in the way that it was positive. My mom and dad said they had no idea. And when I came out and I said, mom and dad, I'm, I'm gay, they didn't even think about it. It wasn't something that had ever occurred to them. And they just saw me as their Philip. They just love me. And that's what they said to you? That's exactly what they said to me. On the first conversation? On the first conversation. Which is exactly what you wanted to hear, I guess. It's exactly what I wanted to hear. And it's exactly what I wish for anyone in this situation. You know, the the loved ones that they get that type of reception in coming to terms with something so big yeah. at that time. So how old were you at this point then? 23. 23, okay. Yeah. So you loved it. Well, that's a good five years since yeah. you knew and admitted it to yourself. Yeah. So. And your family have gone on to support you through various relationships and just be there yeah. for you, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've not had any issues. I mean, my, my, my family just want the best for me. And my mom has actually come over. I've taken her down to Canal Street and she's really sweet. She's even bought like a pride t-shirt. She's bought pride shoes. And yeah, she, she's one of my, my little supporters. But my whole family are. They've been fantastic. Would you have any advice for people who haven't yet come out to their friends or family or people that they know? I've thought about this. And my advice is you do it when you feel you are ready when you feel it's time, that's when you should do it. Because if you do it before then, you are not going to be in the right headspace. You're not going to be in the correct emotional state to cope with what you need to cope with after that. You will know when it's right. You will know when it's time. It's your journey. And before I came out, I always perceived being gay to define me. and. I'm gay Philip. After I came out, I realized that that is just one aspect of me. It's Philip who happens to be gay. Like Philip who happens to have brown hair. Philip who happens to have blue eyes. Philip who happens to be able to fly an aeroplane. <laughs> exactly. I mean, let's talk about that. I mean, you mentioned the fact that you were cabin crew to start with. You're yes. now a pilot. Yes, that's right. Um, that's been your career for a number of years anyway. Yeah. Um, any issues with being LGBT in that particular industry? Or, I mean, it's certainly a bit of a gay book of jobs to be cabin crew, isn't it? But what's yeah. it like being a pilot as well? I'm very fortunate to be a gay pilot where I am. I was, I have to say, when I went to flight school, I was really, really worried about coming out as gay. And then uh, I discovered while I was at flight school, there were three fills. There was boring fill, there was Irish fill, and then there was flamboyant fill. <laughs> and uh, I'm so glad I wasn't boring fill. I happened to be flamboyant fill, but I just thought, no, that's way to camp. That's yeah. way to camp. So I managed to change my nickname to Dirty Phil. Okay, good. Uh, so I was Dirty Phil and then I became Dirty Pepe. So that's my nickname. But you know what? The guys there uh, were so welcoming. I, I thought it was going to be like me going back to high school mm. and be bullied. And it wasn't at all. I was embraced by all of those guys. And they even asked questions about it to try and figure out the other side of straight land. Were they sensible questions or were they um, slightly ludicrous straight people questions? 
combination of both <laughs> but it's so much fun it's so much fun you know and and there were really sensible questions in there as well and mm. and wanting to understand things and i think because i'm quite an open person i can just talk about those things with them mm. so it, it it was fascinating to see them learning about that side right. of life then when i moved into the airlines yes you'll come across some old fuddy duddies who you don't have anything in common with anyway and they won't broach that side but then you'll come across other guys who will make jokes about it so for instance i did a trip to toulouse and we had a group of rugby guys in the back you know a nice big rugby team that we were flying to toulouse and uh, landed in Toulouse and I thought well I'm just going to stand at the door and say goodbye to these beautiful rugby boys so I <laughs> went and stood there and I was like goodbye goodbye having a nice little bit of uh, eye candy and uh, the pilot I was flying with turned around and said you dirty dirty bugger I turned to him and I just said are you telling me that if these were a bunch of cheerleaders you wouldn't be doing exactly the same thing and he was like Fair enough. Good point. I said, yeah, shut your face. <laughs> I love so, that, Phil. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I feel really lucky that the work family that I had just embraced me. And actually here being in Manchester, it was quite a gay base. Mm. There's quite a quite a few of us uh, in the cockpit. Oh, is that now? <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> Wonderful to chat to Phil about his experiences growing up in South Africa and being gay in the Middle East. And although I haven't got personal experience, I'm sure he is a very, very talented pilot. Of course, it's really tough times for that industry at the moment, isn't it? So Phil currently isn't working. So if you know anybody that is looking for a handsome, talented, capable pilot, please get in touch with me and I can put you in touch with Phil. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And we'd also really appreciate it if you'd find the time to leave us a rating or a review. To find out more about Coming Out Stories, ask us a question or even offer your own story for an interview. You can follow us on Twitter at Come Out Stories or at Coming Out Stories Pod on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Emma Goldswell and Coming Out Stories is edited by Sam Walker and is a What Goes On Media production. Hey, next time on Coming Out Stories, I'm so excited to bring you the one, the only, the very talented Davina DeCampo. Yup, the first ever runner-up, shoulda, coulda won it, of RuPaul's Drag Race UK. They identify as being non-binary, and let's just say they didn't so much stroll out of the closet as come out kicking, screaming, and singing in four octaves. If ever there was a little queerdo kid, it was me. You know, I was like the absolute stereotype epitome of faggy little gay, singing in the choir, loving Barbara Streisand, get me that Barbara Dixon on the radio. I am loving all of this. Like the song that my brothers and sisters used to sing to me all the time in the car was, so macho, you gotta be so macho. And I was like, Okay, why are they singing this at me? Oh, it's because I'm not. (laughs) Great song, though. You probably joined in. (laughs) 